listening to The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. I'm your host, Troy, and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you stay updated with all of our latest episodes. Let me start off by saying happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and a happy new year to everybody watching today or listening today. I really appreciate everybody who's tuning in, giving me the support, checking out the Knicks information that we're giving out each and every week. And I really do appreciate each and every single one of you. Last week, we took a little bit of a break. My son's birthday was last week, as well as, you know, a lot of the holidays. So we didn't really record anything and we kind of just, you know, laid low and took a break because let's face it, as Nick fans, we needed a break. I personally needed a break and anything I was going to record was going to be hot venom. I had nothing good to say about this team. And truth be told, fast forward to today, I even more so don't have many good things to say about this Knicks team. There are certain things that I can hold on to, that I can look at, that I can keep with me. But what I'll never understand and why it's such a Nick thing to do. A couple weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, we were on an eight-game win streak. Hottest team in the league. You could see me on Spaces, on Twitter, everywhere. I was saying, let's keep it rolling. And then the NBA gods heard me, and they kept it rolling in a different way. Because the Knicks are now on a five-game losing streak. You didn't hear that incorrectly. Let me repeat that. The Knicks had won eight consecutive games straight. One of their longest winning streaks in about near a decade. Okay? They are now on a five-game losing streak. And arguably, they've lost against teams they should have beaten. And it's a little disgusting when you just take a look at what the Knicks have done as a team over the course of the last five games. Let's just go over this uh, couple of games that they lost, right? So the first game that they lost was against the Raptors. That started off their losing streak, 113 to 106. Then we lost against the Bulls. Really close, 118 to 117. Now... Siakam went off against us in the Raptors game. So you can look at that game and say, well, you know what? That doesn't happen often. Um, even though if you think about Nick's history, there's always somebody who's not supposed to go off on us, go off on us. I don't care if they're a star, maybe all-star, whatever the case would be. They're just either dropping career highs or way too many points that they shouldn't drop. And we'll get into that because there was another player that dropped way too many points that they shouldn't even have the chance to drop but still dropped on us when we played the Spurs. I'll get to that in a second, but just going back to the Raptors. Siakam dropped in on our heads. We could not stop DeMar DeRozan uh, late. They got to the free throw line. Uh, couldn't guard or defend that night. Really bad calls that night as well, too. But really close game. Uh, heartbreaker that we lost in Chicago. The Sixers game, while the final score 119 to 112 sounds close, the game more or less seemed over by halftime. Because when Joel Embiid was going... Nobody stopped Joel Embiid. He was running through people. So nobody stopped him. The Mavericks game, 
it's funny how one Mavericks game completely started a winning streak for us and a second Mavericks loss completely broke this Knicks team. There is no explanation for the disgusting, poor play that I had to witness against the Spurs. And the only conclusion that I can come to is the Dallas game. If you've been living under a rock, the Knicks lost that game 126 to 121. At the 26-second mark, we were up by nine. Yeah, about nine points. So in your head, your mind, you're saying, oh, you won it. You got it. It's golden. And then... And then you see Luka Magic right in front of your face. That nine-point lead evaporates thanks to Luka Donovs and his MVP play. Because let's just face it, that's a miracle, Luka Magic and just MVP play because there's no other way to explain what happened. The end of that game against Dallas, going into OT where we lost, which the game was over by the time we went to OT because we were deflated that we even let it get to that point because nobody saw that coming. It was one of the worst defeats in Knicks history. It was that deflating. All of my energy sucked up, sapped out out of me. I could not understand it. This losing streak is killing me game by game by game because I'm seeing poor defensive efforts. I'm seeing lack of passion. I'm seeing poor closeouts, and some of these games have been close. It's just execution or your coach not putting in the players that potentially could help you win the game. Because my argument for that Dallas game was you probably would have won if you had more size in there and you had Sims sitting on the bench. Why not bring a huge lineup to secure the rebound essentially securing your victory why why not do that we didn't do it we allowed the Mavs to get their rebound Luca specifically and that's that's going into OT that's exactly what happened it and that game I believe broke the Knicks because in the Spurs game which we lost 122 to 115 we got blown out by one of the worst teams in the league we got blown out by a team in the Spurs that are actively trying to tank. They are actively trying to lose. And the Knicks can't even help them do that. We make it hard for them to lose. So we give them a blowout. We give them a blowout victory. And I'm thinking to myself, could this game get any worse? Because you think to yourself, when it's going into half, it's a manageable. But then you're going into the third. And I said it in the Twitter space that we were hosting during the half game show that if we lose the third, we're not winning this game. We're just not going to do it. The third quarter, we lost 26 to 28. Two points, but we lost. And it was ugly starting ugly they were up almost 15 points starting that quarter so it wasn't anything to be impressed about sure we fought back and if you want to look at that that's great 
But in all honesty, what did it do for us? Nothing. We still lost the game, 122 to 115. And here's the biggest caveat to it all. Here's the icing, if you will, on top of this horrible, disgusting, rotten cake. Due to injury, because right now we're missing R.J. Barrett. His right index finger has been lacerated due to Wolverine Luca, you know, that apparently scratched it bad enough or bent it bad enough that it exposed tendons in RJ's finger. So he's out a week. Brunson out with a sore right hip. So he's out probably till, you know, that Suns game on January 2nd. I'd assume RJ the same time frame as well, too. And Obi Toppin is going to be again reevaluated probably in another month. Probably won't make a return till February. So that's three key pieces to your what was once a nine-man rotation. So to fill that gap, you have to put players in. I get that. I understand it. Here's the difference in what happened last night. Coach Tom Thibodeau chose, decided, he fucking decided to play a healthy Evan Fournier over a healthy Cam Reddish. That's the issue I have. And here's why it's an issue, fans. Here's why it's an issue. When you preach that you want to win, when you do whatever it takes to win, when you make choices and decisions that are conducive to winning, you have to show me that. Regardless of trades, risk injury management, or whatever the fuck you want to call it today. There is no excuse for Fournier and Rose, who are both on the trade block too, by the way, to play over Cam Reddish. Now, your argument's going to be, well, Cam is the most valuable piece of that trio. So you want to protect him and make sure he's safe because he is probably going to be the piece that leads to the others being moved. Okay, maybe. But what if he isn't? What if they don't want to take on Fournier and have Reddish as the carrot, if you will? What if they just want Reddish? And he's not playing anything, so his value is going down because nobody can see what he can do right now. So my argument is that you increase Reddish's value if you play him. There's a need to play him. The Spurs have size. They are bigger than us last night. We needed more size and length. Who offered that? Who fills that need immediately? Cam Reddish. That's the issue. Because you played Evan Fournier, and look at the way Evan Fournier closed out on Richardson at the end of the first. Look at that. Look at some of his defensive plays last night. Tell me why the defense got better after he was subbed out for QDOT. Explain it to me. You can't, and I can't, because the only person who has that answer, which does it, which is not an answer because it's stupidity, is Tom Thibodeau. If you're making decisions to win, there is no freaking reason why Cam Reddish did not play any minutes last night or during this losing streak. This doesn't make any sense. But let's go to the Spurs players because I want to talk about a, a specific player. Romeo Langford. Romeo Langford bless his heart, is not a terrible player. He's 
he's a good player. You know, he's a he's a good young player, but he's not by any means an all-star or star player. He's not supposed to give you, you're not supposed to rely on him for 20 plus a night. That's not his role. We made this man look like an all-star last night. Want to hear a stat line? I'm going to read it for you, okay? Romeo Langford. He played 28 minutes last night. He didn't have to play much. They're blowing us out. 23 points. Two assists and three rebounds. We let this little man, we let this young boy score 23 points on us. If you saw that Spurs game from tip-off, the entire team seemed to step slow. They didn't look like they had it. They looked gassed. I don't know if it's the rotation killing them, if it's the lack of players, the lack of Brunson being there, who's your true leader. All due respect to Randall, who had a phenomenal game last night. And I want to give shout-outs to Randall before I go any further. Look, his defense, yeah, his defense was, wasn't great last night. He had some moments where he was good, but definitely his defense was not great last night. Julius Randle brought it last night offensively. 43 minutes, 41 points, 7 assists, 11 rebounds. I mean, the man just went off. Now, it wasn't his most efficient game, okay? But he needed to give us those points because without him, we weren't getting scoring reeling from anywhere else. Grimes was one of 10. But the argument for me is we waited way too long to get Grimes involved. Grimes had about four shots at halftime. Quentin Grimes had a career-high 33 points against the Mavericks. How in the world is he getting only four shots by the half? Things like this just don't make sense. They don't add up. And when I look at it, I can look at individual players. And I liked a lot of individual players last night. IQ had some great moments, scored amazing points. But again, you know, wasn't very efficient, had some issues on defense. And these are things that I'm just looking at and I see. But it wasn't just those players. I want to make it clear. The entire team didn't look like they came to play. They all looked gassed. The defense was porous throughout. It wasn't even a great basketball game to watch. It's actually a compliment calling that game basketball. The amount of times that I looked at my TV and said, where is the passion? Where is the effort? Where is your Nick pride? At least play for that. We let a Spurs team roll over us, and they are one of the worst teams in the league, have one of the worst defenses in the league. We should be ashamed of ourselves. Tom Thibodeau, you should be ashamed of yourself. You should be fired ASAP, immediately. Ring the alarms. They out looking for you, my man. Your seat must be on flames right now, brother. There is no way. You are getting away with this, bro. You played Evan Fournier over Cam Reddish, number one. Number two, your adjustments are weak. They're sometimes non-existent. The depth that we once had, you didn't know how to use. And now that we are inside a mode now that we need players, some of these players don't know how to play together because they never seen time on the court together when it counted. Because you never experimented more than with your eight to nine man rotation. We never got to see other players adapt and play. I get that we don't have the most depth right now because of our injuries, 
but we have other players that could play. Reddish and uh, Sieve, right? Those two players could absolutely play right now. They are extra bodies. They're NBA players. They can do something. They can help you out. And it's okay to see what that looks like, especially when you're not getting it from the unit that you have out there. If you're so desperate to play Evan Fournier, you should at least make some time to play freaking Cam Reddish. It's a little ridiculous that we're having this conversation this late into the season about who should be playing and why they should be playing. Again, I'm not a Cam bandwagon fan. I like Cam. I think that he earned his starting unit role when he was playing consistent minutes. I think he at least earned consistent minutes, but whatever, he's not in the rotation. I'm fine with that. But what I'm not fine with is you telling me each and every post game that you do what's conducive to winning. And then you put Evan Fournier out there and try to convince me in the next post game that that's exactly what you're trying to do. I feel lied to. As Nick fans, we should be in an uproar. This man is lying to us. He is lying to our faces. You cannot say you want to win and you're trying to win each and every game and you make decisions based off of that premise of winning and then you make a move like putting Fournier in for Cam Reddish. It doesn't make sense to me. It never will. And you won't make it. Tom Thibodeau. You should be fired. End of story. Period. Done. Let's talk about this uh, rotation. I've said it since they started it. They were on the win streak and I said it. Go back. Listen to the tape. I said it. How long... Can you sustain eight to nine people playing every single game, sometimes back-to-backs, getting hit hard every night? Jalen Brunson takes charges basically every game or attempts to when he's out there. How do you play like that for 40, 41, 42 minutes and expect your guys to be fully healthy, engaged, and focused and ready for a playoff or a play-in type of game? How are you even going to make the argument that they could even be remotely ready? We're looking at this team now and seeing them look a little gassed. Now, I blame that on the Dallas game. The Dallas game absolutely broke this team. When you lose like that, it's hard to come back from. That's the first thing. But where's the pride to go out there and take a win that you should have absolutely taken against the Spurs? Where's the pride in that? This rotation has a lot to do with that. The players looked gassed. They didn't look like they were focused. A lot of that comes down to when you're playing excessive minutes. A lot of those guys played 41, 42, 50 minutes plus. When you play that many minutes, what do you think is going to happen? It's not an easy thing. And we're doing this consistently now with a shortened rotation. It's not sustainable. And I'm worried about our players and their health. Randall fell down hard yesterday against the Spurs when he went uh, knee to knee, when he banged knees, I should say, with Mitchell Robinson. Accident, but it happened. It wasn't too bad because he was able to play, play out and play throughout the rest of the game. But what if it was worse? Then we just lost our next best player. We're not winning games that way. And while Tom Thibodeau is predictable in terms of 
what he'll do when he has players available and who he'll play. What is unpredictable with Tom Thibodeau is how he responds to injuries and who he plays when his players are injured. Honestly, guys, this team needs help. We need talent. We need other players. Leon, you got to make a move. We need help, bro. We need people who can make a shot. We need shooting. We need shooting. Now, you're not going to play Reddish. I get it. Since you're not going to play Reddish, you got to get me somebody who can contribute. And I've said it, and I'll continue to say it. For me, the only free agent, or not even free agent, the only trade target that makes sense to me is Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma has already played with one of the hardest players to play with, Julius Randle. He's admitted that himself, Julius Randle has, that he's very difficult to play with at times because of his attitude and you know things that he does at times and how he acts on the court sometimes. He admits that to himself. And uh, when he had an interview, he was telling that to us. However, Kyle Kuzma has played with him before. Kyle Kuzma is a scorer. He can rebound. He can play make. Infinitely upgrades your roster from where you are now, depending on what you have to give up to get him. Which I don't think would be a lot right now, given the fact that the Wizards look like they are spiraling way out of control. I don't know what's going to happen with that franchise. So if the if it's hot right now, we got to strike. And if we can get Kuzma for, you know, Cam Reddish, Evan Fournier, Derrick Rose, you know, maybe their first round pick back in a couple of seconds, I'll take it. And you may be asking yourself, well, why would they take something like that? They don't want to let Kuzma walk for nothing. And Kuzma's already said that, you know, he wants to play in a bigger market. Washington really ain't a bigger market. So he's looking like he's going to get out of there. Whether he goes to L.A., New York, I don't know. I can't answer that. But I do think that Kuzma is probably going to be on the move. And if he is and his services are available, the Knicks should acquire them. He fits this team's need perfectly. I feel like Kuzma would come off the bench for us. He would fit a uh, collection role like what he's doing in Utah right now. I would see Kuzma doing that same thing for the Knicks. And the best part is he doesn't have to play bench minutes. If you really need a scoring, he can play 30, 35 minutes. But maybe on a night you may not need it, but you may need more defense. Maybe you can not play him as much. It depends on what you're looking at. Now, maybe Thibs isn't the right. No, Thibs is not the right coach to make that decision. We already know that. He needs to go. But Kuzma absolutely needs to be added to this team. Fits it perfectly. Understands Randall and his game. And more importantly, gives you shooting, rebounding, and playmaking. I don't know how you say no to that. Some fans are living in the past thinking that, you know, how he used to play as a Laker and things like that. Let it go. Look at what he's done with the Wizards. He has been killing it with the Wizards. You have to take that into account and see what it can do for your team. I make the argument Kuzma is a very, very good piece to add to this Knicks team. It makes you better, and you can't argue that. There's no way to argue it, especially depending on what you have to give up to get him. I want to mention a point about uh, Julius Randle. 
some fans just want to trade him for anything, a freaking paper bag if they could, just to get him off the team because they feel like he's so toxic. I get that. But here's the thing. That's freaking foolish. That's a dumbass take. It really is. There's no reason at all to trade Randall if it makes you worse. That's stupid. That's dumb. That's not getting enough for your assets. That's being a stupid trade partner. Great for the other team. Stupid for us. Let's let's not be stupid, right? Can we can we not be stupid today? Can we try not to be stupid? Julius Randle is playing like an all-star, whether you like to admit it or not. Those numbers are pretty crazy if you look at it in terms of the whole league. Like, he's putting up some really big numbers. In some games, pretty efficient numbers. You can make the argument that over the last 20 or so games, Julius Randle has been playing some of the best basketball of his career. The Knicks haven't been able to capitalize on it. We've been losing some of the games we should have won, but that doesn't mean his game has been bad by any stretch. So if that's the case, you want to trade him at maximum value to get as much that you can for him. I'm not opposed to trading Randall. Let me put that out there. I am not opposed to trading Julius Randall. I am opposed to trading Julius Randall for nothing or for something that does not make us better or help us significantly. So the Jay Crowder trades with the second rounders and all that stuff is garbage. Those are garbage trades. Why would we do that? Why are you telling me about those trades? Why are you why are you posting trade machine uh, images on my timeline about that trade? Nobody wants to see that trade. You as a Nick fan want to see that? It's terrible, man. Please stop doing this stupidity. Stop it. Keep Randall until you can trade him for something significant. And once you can, make the move. Done and done. I don't understand what the confusion is there. Just stupid. The Knicks play the Houston Rockets on New Year's Eve at 7 p.m. I'll be having a Twitter space that day in the morning at 10 a.m. That's Saturday. And we're going to be going over basically what we're seeing from the team around the league, but most importantly, it's the time for you guys, the fans, to give me your take. Let me know how you're feeling. Challenge me on something I've said on this show or what I say on my Twitter spaces. And once you do, we'll have that conversation. I'm happy to do it. All you have to do to be part of that conversation is just follow at the Knicks recap. Go ahead and tap that notification bell on my profile. And that way you'll be notified whenever I'm sending out tweets or anything else like that. And that's how you'll know when the spaces are starting or when they're going to be. So definitely check it out and make sure to follow me if you're not doing so already. So you stay updated with everything that we're doing here at the show. But I'll leave you guys with this before I go. The Knicks need to make moves. And the two moves that I need to see them make are trades and getting rid of Tom Thibodeau. Trades likely to happen, removing Tom Thibodeau, unlikely to happen. I may want it to happen, but uh, in realistic terms, it probably won't. If you're a fan, you may not like that, but you got to make peace with that. And I'm sure I didn't have to tell you that. You probably knew it already. So 
It's unfortunate, but this is where we are right now. We got to do better. The Knicks have to do better because the last five games that I've watched, some of them have been unwatchable. And I'm tired of watching it. I'm tired of seeing it. I should not be forced to watch disgusting, non-inspired, terrible, lack of passion play. I should not be subjected to that. No Nick fan should be. Knicks, you have to step it up. You have to. We got to go into the new year a better team. And that starts with a W over another struggling franchise in the Houston Rockets. We got to get that W. But until next time, Nick fans, I appreciate you guys rocking with me. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us. Peace out. Stay safe. Happy New Year. Take care, guys. Listen to new episodes of The Knicks Recap, streaming every Friday.